0: The Having a Cupper podcast is independently produced by the auspices of Chris Snell Media and Sound Production. (sighs) Nothing like the finest selection. Nothing like the open road. Let's see where it leads me. My name is Chris Nell. In a burgeoning career spanning half a decade, I've done a bit of everything. I've walked the boards on the stage. I've essayed emotions and intention down the barrel of a lens, and I've kept the public on its toes through the coil of a mic. Now, I've entered the world of podcasting. During my quest, there's many questions that need an answer. There are many voices yearned to be heard, and many stories aching to be told. I want to hear them all. I'm a vagabond with an insatiable curiosity. Now I'm hitting the road. Welcome to my journey. You are invited to hear the stories and the views of people spanning the globe. You'll be taken places through the odyssey of your imagination, from the palm trees of California to the Everglades of Florida, the prairie hills of Alberta, and the cathedrals of Montreal and beyond. Come along as we discover the hidden truths to matters of the heart, matters that knowledgeable people share artists, activists, advocates, and survivors. They share because they care. People like you and me. Join me as we learn what makes them tick. Sit back and strap yourself in. We're having a cuppa. All over the world, despite the pandemic being a cause for alarm this entire year, people the world over are starting to get ready to celebrate the festive season, if they have not already. This forms a time where families normally come together to celebrate the season of giving, namely with filled tummies, torn Christmas paper, and wide smiles. Sadly, that fortune is not always destined for all. Addicts in that time still roam the filthy corridors of alleys, make their cot under the blanket of a bridge with no place to call home or for someone to call family. The plight also hits home on the domestic front. When addicts in recovery are perceived as bohemian and conventionally awkward, that is a notion deemed uncalled for and unnecessary. We all deserve a second chance, like anybody else. Yet, we also reserve the animal right to stand out and embrace our individuality.
1: Let's broaden our minds.
0: After all, complying to society's norms in the hope of acceptance is more than likely the cause of what caused that problem in the first place. This is Courtney Anderson's story... was once a Cinderella in the throes of her own hell, a past seemed inescapable, an unpleasant collection of memories that would not go away, a future that appeared far too dim to be hopeful for. Yet she edged on, made a new life palatable for herself and grew from her experience of mental rags to a person all-consuming of new beginnings. Today Courtney spends her spare time ensconced as a recovery coach for women who themselves wish to pursue a better living. She blogs continually on recovery, also hosts a podcast called Sober Vibes, and was a very pivotal instrument in establishing National Sober Day. Courtney is the very embodiment of individuality. From the city of champions, Detroit, the very municipality that pioneered the auto industry, gave the rise to Barry Gordy to establish the Motown sound, from Stevie Wonder, Martha and the Vandellas and the Four Tops, and even side the birth of trademark names like Glenn Fry, Alice Cooper, Bob Segan and the Stooges, I give to you Courtney Anderson. Daniel.
1: Much for having me.
0: It's truly lovely to have you here, Miss Anderson, and by comparison, thank you for making a turn. To begin, let's talk about your years in active addiction, and from the research I did about you here and there, I'm betting you've got quite the story to tell. Where did it all start for you?
1: Uh, my active addiction really started, you know, I have to say this because I'm a firm believer of it, is that I do believe that trauma is the gateway. So when you ask that question, my active addiction started to what I was born into. That's leading up to where my love affair for alcohol really started when I was 19. I spent a lot of years not, especially in high school, you know, I smoked pot dabbled with some mushrooms some ecstasy you know i don't i i do not believe that marijuana is a gateway again i will go back to trauma is our gateway and then when i was 19 years old um i live in the suburbs of detroit so canada is windsor is about a 25 minute drive their legal drinking age is 19. so we used to go to canada me and my friends and get wild and just get extremely fucked up at the bars at 19. And that's where I fell in love with it. But I, I didn't really drink in those years because alcoholism was alive and well and present in my family. So I was just like, I'm never going to drink. Never going to be like that. Never, never, never. And then 19 hit and it was on. And I spent uh, a decade loving alcohol.
0: I see. Now, forgive me, I mean not to pry, but I have to ask this. The kind of trauma that you suffered, was it emotional abuse, was it physical abuse? What are we talking here?
1: Um, it was, what I was born into was functioning alcoholism and bipolar. So that's what I was born into of my parents' circumstance. And then when you have those things combined on, on, uh, you know, one parent has one thing, the other parent has another thing. Um, there was no domestic abuse, but definitely my, parent, my parents got divorced when I was seven. And, you know, back then we're talking about 1992, 93. So I was the only kid on the block, blocks, <laughs> blocks upon blocks. With being that child uh, or that that friend with divorced parents, so after my parents got divorced, it definitely shit went south. Just with a lot of like circumstances that led up to it, and and, um, and then after that, there was just no structure. I, I find it, you know, and not every not every divorced couple has this quote unquote modern family okay no
0: of course not needless to say
1: that shit just it's like it's great i'm happy that a lot of people now are putting the children first but that was not my case and i do believe that that is few and far between you know so so no domestic abuse um was there you know emotional and verbal abuse absolutely between my parents Um, But then it it just led into them divorcing and having their own shit and then where us children fell in line to that and what we were exposed to very young.
0: And again, meaning not to pry, but because of that modus operandi in play, you must have stuck out like a sore thumb.
1: I mean, yeah, of course, you know, I mean, everybody knew about it. Also too, within those couple of years, we had a babysitter commit suicide in our house. Uh, She was watching the, she was watching our dog and cat and my mom was away. After my parents got divorced, my mom was away on a trip with her boyfriend at the time. And us kids were staying at my dad's house for the weekend. And we trusted this this babysitter and she had come in and brutally brutally killed herself and stabbed herself repeatedly in our kitchen. Within a matter of a year, we have our parents divorce, And then we have this extreme trauma, which then that extreme trauma, because again, we're going back into like 1993, 94 the the police department at this time had to bring my mom back into the house so then my mom saw this what they thought at the time was a crime scene because that's how brutal it was and that led to her having a breakdown and it was just like a series of events that continued on after that and you know who wants to go visit their mom in a psychiatric hospital at like eight it's very hard so So we all have, I think when people say trauma, they just, everybody's definition of trauma is is different, but whatever you experience, it's a spectrum, you know, Um, but what you experience your own trauma, that's your trauma and that is how it it, it came out, so.
0: I hear you. And sadly, there's a double-edged sword in this dilemma because it's very nice for the man in the street to say, speak to someone. Get it off your chest. Unless you can actually speak to someone who's walked in the same boots as what you have, experienced more or less in the similar context of what you have, it's not going to reap any benefits and it can actually do more harm than good. Would you agree? I would. Yes, I wanted to tread really, really carefully when giving suggestions of that nature. Professional help is always the best in my regard. Before we continue, I was just thinking a moment ago... You mentioned that you went to North America. You drove over the border to go and get blitzed. Did you need a passport to cross the border at that time?
1: Okay, well, here's the deal. My family, too, moved around a lot because my dad was high in corporate for, for the restaurant company Red Lobster. So we moved around a lot. And then in my earlier age, when I was like four, I lived in Canada. Ah,
0: okay.
1: So I had had a passport from a very young age. This was 2000. This was pre 9/11, so I think you could get over that border with just a, a birth certificate. So I think I think every, I think post 9/11, that's when a lot of change happened.
0: Mm, makes sense. Now, Courtney, getting back to the conversation, was there ever a tipping point that made you want to turn over a new page and start a new life for yourself?
1: Um. Well, I will say about 24, 25. I knew my drinking was a lot darker. Of uh, just had what transpired during that time. And so then I spent about four years trying to control my drinking, trying to control that relationship with it, and it was uncontrollable. So that was when I I was 29. I was about six weeks away from turning 30. So yes, everybody who's listening, you can get sober at a young age. Uh, six weeks, yeah, six weeks from, from turning 30, I woke up after a night, again, of partying, I had lost my cat for the second time in a blackout, my then boyfriend, who is now my husband, uh, he had presented it to me where he was just like, you can continue drinking, but I'm not going to go down this path with you anymore. And an opportunity presented itself with me.
0: That aha moment, right?
1: Yes, because we rescued this cat from the streets, okay? We rescued Fiona from the streets. and. The fact that I had lost her not only once, I had now lost her twice in a functioning blackout. I had gone out the night before um, smoking cigarettes cigarette. I went to smoke a cigarette and I lost her. So the next day to be told that she was missing and then, you know, that Matt was extremely upset because apparently I threatened his life that night as I was standing over his bed telling him I wanted to kill him. I mean, who wants to wake up to that? <laughs> <laughs> and I can laugh about this now because that is part of my sixth sense of humor. But at some point, and I have, I've, I've forgiven myself. But you have to look at it from the other side. You, have, if you have a partner, like nobody wants to wake up to somebody threatening their life. Nobody wants that. You can't get mad at your partner if they're pissed off at you for drinking one more time. And so he was just like, you know. We had been together, lived together a year and a half at this point, and he said to me, "He was like, you can continue, or you can choose a life without it." So after three days, finally found Fiona, and during that three day of just dry heaving on myself because I was so, it was like my drinking was so extreme. Of just, I wasn't an everyday drinker; it was binge drinking. Once I started, I could not stop. Um, and it was one of the worst hangovers of my life. And then I was in that guilt-shame cycle, like, oh my God, am I going to find this cat dead on the side of the road? Like, what am I going to, how's life going to look? But I, I made this pact saying, if I found Fiona, I would give Sober Life this try because this was something for four years I tried to control and it was uncontrollable.
0: You know, you touched on something and it wasn't in my cue sheet or in my program notes, but I have to mention it as well. If there's one thing that has helped me through all the tough times in life, and especially Especially in recovery, it's a good laugh because you learn to accept yourself through that. You learn to accept life on life's terms, but not to take it so seriously all the time.
1: Okay, anybody can get sober, but there, you wake up and you're just like, there's a reason why I drank or did drugs, like I was escaping something, okay? I'm in the full, I've always identified with being an alcoholic. That is where my brain goes. When me and in, in drinking happens, it is no good. But just the recovery process, the shit is so heavy some days. So you have to keep your spirits light at some point. You cannot be doom and gloom every day and just live in that, that, that mock. <laughs> you have to laugh.
0: Mm, you're telling me. Moving on though, you've become quite the social media influencer off note and you also blog. Tell us more about that.
1: Yeah, I have a hard time with that influencer word. I really do because I just believe when I got sober on August 18th, 2012, social media was not like it was not this big huge thing. There was not this recovery thing, and I just did it after after 30 days. I just started posting about my sobriety because for me, it was it was important for me to live a life out loud. Because for so long, for that 10 years, and even before that 10 years, because even, like I said, before the act of addiction, you are programmed in a way of this, you know, especially too if you're an adult, children of alcoholics, like the sweeping under the rugs and the shame of men. And like, we don't talk about this kind of shit, blah, blah, blah. So at that, this time, it was healthy for me to live out loud and release that shame and I'm not knocking any I'm not everybody's different but it's like why if we're getting help are we t- are we shameful for this why is this so secretive you know and that is from my experience with with 12 steps even though I've participated in and it, it's just like why are we whisper talking about this but I respect people I respect people being anonymous I really do so Going back to the social media thing, so for this influencer thing, I just like I can't connect with that because all I've done is just shared my journey. And this is what people need of support and connection, and having someone just being there and be like, you're right, this is fucking hard.
0: And of course, to just rub shoulders and create a sense of camaraderie between one another.
1: Yes, you know, so just. So just with with the blogging and the social media, it's just something more of just like a community for people to feel safe there. That's why mainly I deal with women. Um, My Sober Vibes community, you know, this morning, I I had a monthly, I do a couple meetings a month and it's for women only because I am there. uh, There's a protection there with women that I do feel that um, women's meanings are crucial.
0: And I must concur with you on this, Courtney, because I was a marketing and advertising minor in college. And on one particular day, my lecturer posed the question, if you had to peddle a product or a tangible service to a potential customer, in this case, a woman, which gender would likely have the better effect on the potential customer, that being a man or a woman? So I stuck up my hand and I said, well, in this case, it's an uneven answer because opposites attract between a man and a woman but the psychology between same sexes are a lot more like men with machismo and of course with testosterone and vice versa with women but especially where it's a sensitive subject it would be a lot more better if it were the same sexes communicating the same values and the same ideas with each other because they'd understand each other a lot more better Uh and whilst we're on that topic i have to share this thought with you as well because this is how you and i met and how a lot of my guests who i've had on before who have also spoken on recovery have met it's surprising how a single social media platform like instagram people are supportive to one another and that is predominantly the recovery community on that social platform alone if you look at facebook or at twitter for example not so much except for a select few that i know of it's a surprising phenomenon
1: yeah i mean those it's like social media is a it's a funny weird but like you take what you want and leave the, the rest. And it is. It's like each platform's used for something different. And that's where it, you know, that's why I like podcasting. Because it's just like people specifically, it's out there. People can listen. It's just different.
0: Oh, yeah. Without question. Nowadays, there's a podcast on almost anything. But I didn't mean to veer off topic. You, in the meantime, would go on to become certified to do one-on-one coaching. When speaking with women across the various spectrums of addiction, and I'm assuming all over the U.S., the results that stem from it, it certainly must stir up your spirit, doesn't it?
1: Well, it does. You know, I mean, it's just like coming off of the meaning that I do the first three Saturdays of the month, okay, for the women. It, every Saturday after I'm done, i it's like, it, I can't even, I can't explain it other than just, it just makes me happy. For 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 coaching with women that the women that I have coached, it's just to hear them of how, cause you start with me with 90 days. It's like, I start with somebody on, you know, within those first couple of weeks of their sobriety and then they get passed into after the day 90. And just looking at them and hearing how they are, it, it's just, it's such a change. And it's like you, it just, anybody can do it. It just makes me very, very happy and ecstatic that um, that another person was able to get sober. You don't have to go, you don't have to do it alone. And you don't, there's life after addiction life after addiction and it's worth it it's it's hard but it's it's worth it
0: well when you talk like that we should actually see if we can't get you here to south africa to talk to some woman you'd be a hit i would love to in the meantime you're also now a podcaster i see as you're talking to me you've got a coffee cup there with the trademark signature on it you're a presenting girl (laughs) but in all seriousness the podcast Did it stem from being a result of your coaching work?
1: No, this stemmed from, so I, this stemmed from, let's see. So in the very beginning of my sobriety, within those first couple weeks, I tried my hand at AA, which... I say to everybody, you, you got to try it. You cannot, you can't knock it if you haven't gone there. You can't knock it from the shit that you've heard on the streets. You need to put your ass in one of those meetings and sit there and at least soak up three. I give you three because you can't base something off of what you just wants, okay? Or not if you've gone at all. So I did a couple meetings in the very beginning and it just, I was still in such like an anxiety shame where i didn't let myself like fully be there so a couple years into it i believe it was year three i went back but in that first year of my sobriety i sat and i read um the big book i did my amends i i kind of just did it my own way okay but so year three i went back and i sat at the woman's table and i participated that summer And I kept with the women, there was something that was not connecting of everything I heard. It was like, go to work, go to a meeting, go to work, go to a meeting, which I understand people need. But there wasn't like they were talking, they're like, I don't have a social life. Like it's just, I heard a lot of stuff where I was like, but you can do this. You know, I was able to do it. it. Like you can do this, you just have to put, you have to stop being scared. You have to stop allowing fear to hold you back and wanting to live a life because you just don't get sober just to like work, go to a meeting and be, go home and be miserable, okay? You don't, You're, you get sober to start a new life and enjoy it. So in that summer, I created what was called the Sober Social Club for women and we would meet up a, a, once a month and do a social, aspect, like a social setting, go do some type of event. And then that got a little difficult, which is where my life is progressing and, and work and all of that stuff. So then within that meet, within that time too, that's when I started Sober Vibes to put it more of an online community and share women's story. And it, it, it you know, it just has grown and grown and grown. So that's where it started from was just seeing the need of, of women needing more than just the meetings and work.
0: And that said, Courtney, I love the design, namely of the logo and of the podcast and its content. And we invite our audience, if you have not heard it already, Sober Vibes, available on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. All those two factors that I've just mentioned, it must be pertinent to your personality. Am I right?
1: Yeah, well, and this is the thing, Chris. And in that that summer, because that was a a wake-up for a lot with that summer, but because here I was... Kind of two years, did it by myself. I went through all the feelings. I, I went through a lot of it holistically, and I had changed my mindset. And why I have silver vibes, the bright colors, with my Instagram page of it being more motivation. Because this shit does not have to be so fucking doom and gloom. You know what I mean? Like let's <laughs> let's change this around like when when people are you know this whole thing of like because you're sober you're boring like I just or just being so serious every day it's just like sometimes you just need somebody to tell you one fucking day at a time like no more no less throw in some swear words and that's just me like let's have some fun in this new life you are choosing for yourself
0: I wholeheartedly agree I mean laughter is the best medicine it really is I want to talk about the process of recovery for a moment or two. With all the various means there are, I mean, I went to NA a year and a half into my sobriety, having defeated cancer just a little while before that. you went to AA, some people go to rehab. What exactly has worked to keep Courtney Anderson on the straight and narrow so far?
1: It's a, it was the belief in me, okay so this is there's a lot to answer of that, but it was the belief in me of like wanting the life I always wanted. And I had to believe in myself first. And I know it's very hard because I came from a place of, the God thing freaked me out for a long time, okay? So I didn't have this like Fiona, that cat was my higher power and my belief of myself of like, I believe in me if I were to stop drinking I would lose this cat again, you know? Like, so I had to have the belief in me and I have had the belief in me every day for the past eight years of just deserving more than what I gave myself and allowed in that 10 years time. Um, Personal development has helped me very much. I'm not a believer, and I just said this on the meeting today, I am not a believer of reading all of the sobriety memoirs and all of those books and whatnot, because you're now getting yourself into their stuff. I'm not a believer of listening to all the podcasts in one day. You need to rebuild you up. And that comes from a lot of personal development book, um, self-help books, however you want to call it. You have to rebuild you as a person. And a lot of our self-esteem is gone in the years that we're drinking. You know, God knows we all did some crazy shit or woke up to men or women. We didn't have to... I woke up a lot of times next to men. I had no clue what their first names were. It was part of what happened when I drank or waking up in a jail cell or waking up in a hospital. So you really have to rebuild the inner you and work on the inner you. And you can't really take that from reading what other people did. You you know, it's just you have to rebuild your self-esteem and to heal your trauma. I'm also a big believer. I've been in and out of therapy for years. Therapy has wondered. I've I've hired my own coach, all of those things. Whatever works for you, you need to figure that out. But those have worked for me. Meditation. I am a daily meditator and a daily gratitude writer.
0: So it truly is faithfully true that there is no one-size-fits-all to recovery. I mean, my means of trying to recover is by enhancing the creative side of my brain, like collecting an LP or sketching and painting. So before I carry on too much, I have my way, you have your way, the next person has their way, and we all sing Kumbaya to that.
1: Yeah, I mean, those first 90 days, you know, you might laugh at this one. Chris, I had to Google hobbies because I didn't fucking have any because what my hobbies were were working and getting fucked up. Of course, and and it's just it came to the point where I then would craft it for 90 days to keep my hands busy and like made these picture frames and Mod Podge stuff and, and, and binge watch Friday Night Lights. Like that's what kept me those first 90 days you know really just busy because those first 90 days are so hard
0: very very because you're frightened as can be
1: yeah you're a newborn
0: and on that I'd like your input on this because through all the work that you do you ultimately create awareness you speak very openly on your podcast about how addiction is an illness and not just a uh, a poor decision making aftermath bloody blah because i heard some of your episodes with the uh, with Kimberly, my is she vocal?
1: Oh, my she- sister, yeah.
0: Oh, she's your sister, yeah. Yeah,
1: that's my sister. We do we do a show within a show called Living on the Ellidge. My maiden name is Elige, Elledge, E L L E D G E. So in Kim and I's drunk days, we always would like God, wouldn't the reality show of the two of us be funny? But like, thank you, Jesus, that never came to light because I would die if that was on television. So kim is on her own sober clean sober journey and this year i was like kim let's just do a show within a show like you know so that's my sister but yes she is
0: well i love it i mean if you two had your own radio show on a radio station you'd be the voice of reason and kimberly would be the village idiot
1: (laughs) i know (laughs) It's, it's always how it's always how it's been
0: however getting back to my original question over time i've noticed that Inverted commas, ordinary groups of people have lampooned themes and days and months that are quite important to us in sobriety. Things like Recovery Month and Sober October. Conversely, they also lampoon stuff that is absolutely hogwash, like the mommy wine culture. So that being said, I'm of the opinion that's why social media is of utmost importance, because it's fast, it's free, almost and it's a constant source of education would you agree
1: yes totally you know and and when i found a national sober day in the it's in the states on september 14th that was me bringing like full awareness to just celebrating sobriety but adding on to the awareness too that this um, addiction is death and that's never going to go away because the alcohol companies are always going to be there; they make money. Um,
0: Let's not forget Big Pharma.
1: Big Pharma
0: and Big Tech.
1: <laughs> yes. So the billion-dollar industries here, and people just get rich off that, and rich off that, and rich off that, despite you know who it affects. And so that's why I did, I wanted to do, when I created National Sober Day, um, September 14th of every calendar year. And it was just added awareness because I don't promote sober October or dry January. I have my issue with that because there are so many women that I hear from and have coached where they do this, They do a 30-day alcohol experiment, and then immediately on day 31, they start drinking again.
0: Mm, mm, I agree. And for some reason, I knew when I asked that question, I was going to get that answer. Just to be off topic quickly, you wouldn't happen, perhaps, to have crossed paths with Jenny Elizabeth from the Sober Mom Squad?
1: Oh, yes, Jenny Elizabeth and I are pals. Yeah,
0: she's one of my buddies,
1: too. Yeah, she's great. She is great.
0: Jen did the show, and she was the one who brought it under my attention that... Uh, things like the mummy wine culture might be, I'm paraphrasing her words, a direct result of Big Pharma because once the problem has been caused, it hits critical mass and then Big Pharma stands by, the people are prescribed medication out of their stall to quote unquote help them so they invest in the problem and make a return on investment out of it. And it makes so much sense.
1: Well, I worked in a I had my hand in the medical field for a long time and I worked in a pain clinic. So I watched, and this was like, before the big boom happened of this whole nightmare of prescription drugs like it was upcoming and I watched patients come in there and within six months become addicted and then they were on this cycle of medication of let's try to get them on on this medication that medication oh okay you're on morphine and you're seeing a cat in the corner like let's get you off that and then get you on Oxycontin and then when all of this shit no longer help them let's send you to an addictionologist and you're cut off
0: and they always that debilitating to life-threatening risk of withdrawal
1: yeah so it is a cycle of this uh yesterday i made a post too on, on my sober vibes account where why doesn't the alcohol companies now and i have to clarify this I'm not a person where I'm blaming alcohol companies. There is a great documentary called Prohibition, and I think everybody should watch it just to understand, understand the growth of what has happened to alcohol in the past hundred years, Uh, you know, more than that, okay? Nobody was ever safe from alcohol. This has been a continuous issue from when alcohol was created, um... And so I will never blame Budweiser or Corona or Absolute or Captain Mori. I will never blame them for marketing towards me, okay? Because I they weren't forcing me to drink. But I do think alcohol companies should start <laughs> listing their side effects in their commercials. Like Big Pharma has to. If you've ever listened to those commercials, like with, uh, you know, birth control or an ed medication or an antidepressant and you like the whole side effects is the whole commercial and they're just listing side effect after side effect after side effect it's like alcohol companies should do this now
0: needless to say courtney but out of fear of sounding like a devil's advocate i'm just going to retort by saying it is what it is but let's hope that in the near future change may be forthcoming as we now begin to truly wind down the image I get from you over the course of this conversation and in doing research about you, you put forth this persona of being really young of heart, and you don't only want to promote a better manner of living, but you also want to make the statement that life can be fun. Is that still your mindset even
1: today? Oh, absolutely. And that's what I, you know, like whether you're sober or not, because not everybody who drinks has a drinking problem. So life in general... There's going to be days that it's boring, especially what we're in now where we've all had to sit at home for many, many days. So, but even pre-quarantine, like, but even pre-COVID, you still have those days in life where it's just like, oh, you get up, it's the same routine every day. It, it it's, can be boring and, you know, just Groundhog Day and whatnot. But yes, in sobriety, I really do feel like it's all what you make of it. And so me, when I say fun now, it's what I make of fun because fun for me now could just be baking cookies. Fun for me now can be going out to dinner with a girlfriend and just her and having that one-on-one present time, fun as a concert. So I think you have to really chip away at that fun you thought you were having when you were drinking because let's be honest, it was not fun. When you wake up the next morning next to a dude you have no idea whose name it was, having raging anxiety, (laughs) Uh, being thrown in a jail, being woken up into a hospital, again, dragging it on yourself all day, like, Chris, is that fun?
0: Needless to say.
1: No, it wasn't fun. Or waking up and being like, I have no clue what I said to my boss last night at our Christmas party. Like, you know, just shit like that. That's not fun.
0: And you only come to the realization after fully committing to the process. Now Courtney, on a personal level, I'm guessing in this interim you've accumulated a truckload of life lessons. So my next, or actually second to last question should be, how does Courtney Anderson see herself today in comparison to X number of years ago?
1: Like that one makes me emotional because I still am working on healing myself. Because no matter what, whether you're a, a coach or a fucking doctor, or a lawyer, or you're the president, or who you have to, you're a continuous work in progress. So the person I am today has is just one who is a very confident woman, I mean, in the in in somebody who I love myself today when that person back then, it was just a very insecure, you know, and and I I still care what people think. That never, that never goes away. But I just don't, you know, it's like, again, with the social media thing, it's just like, I'm gonna post what I wanna post. If you're with me, cool. If you're not, cool. So it's just shit like that. It's just like that where that old me back then would have taken that very hard, And just like, oh my God, like insecure. Um, And one who just didn't feel like she deserved a lot. So I I have to still love that person back then. But I mean, today, and it's so, so cheesy, but it's the truth. I wouldn't be the person that I am today if it wasn't, if I did not make that decision back on August 18th of 2012, never to touch alcohol again because alcohol was the one thing holding me back from everything that I wanted to do in my life, be, feel, all of it.
0: I hear you, I Mm -hmm. hear you. Surprisingly, you said uh, you still do care what people think about you, but if they were to respond with a negative comment, you just learn to brush it off.
1: yeah like if if i if i offend somebody with something i said or something like my intention if they were generally offended by something i said of course i care but if you're gonna because it takes a lot to have a podcast you know and to do raise awareness on social media you're going to get people with their fucking opinions and it's just like okay (laughs) okay (laughs) thank you but you you really have to think like it's this are you doing this yourself are you putting yourself out there every day like I do and work really hard at producing a podcast putting it out there producing content uh helping women giving them spaces like if you're doing this then I will take your criticism but if you're not deuces <laughs> Like, you know, it's like, it's crazy. The criticism people give you back and I don't share that and I don't blast it like, because there's no point of that. Like, but it is a point where you have to, you you have to protect yourself in a way. Like if I'm going to unapologetically be me because this is who I am today. For so many years, I had to people-please, and it's just in my recovery, I've learned not to be a people-pleaser anymore, like, and I'm going to put this out there, whether you like it or not, cool. If you don't like it, just unfollow and just move on with your day, you know?
0: Well said. Courtney, to end off, as you know, it is the festive season, and addiction is still prevalent, even during this time, and it's the pandemic and whatnot. If there were to be any advice that you could give, what would it be?
1: This is my big one, and, and this is just um, because this is such a hard time of year for people. And then going back to Chris, that's where I think it's just like sometimes social media so wonky and just like, dude. It, like, not everyone loves their fucking family. You know what I mean? Like when everyone with this year was like Thanksgiving so different this year, couldn't spend it with 25 people. It's like people don't have that. So, um, it, you know, if you're struggling this year, I'm just going to say this, that I, I generally Love you, and I'm here for you. And you, if you need to reach out, feel free to reach out because there's nothing else. You, it support and connection in this disease of addiction. You need that. So, help is out there, but you cannot expect people to be mind readers. You need to reach out. You need you. You just do, but. Just know that your, your life is worth it because I know on the other end, and that's where I get emotional because it's like, you know, I had two suicide attempts in in my active days and my drinking was leading me to death and you, it's just, when you're in that state and you don't want to live anymore, it's very, it's hard. It's very isolating. You feel alone. You don't feel worthy of anything. And your life is a precious gift and that you are worth it and we just have lost too many people because of addiction you know and it's sad you got me crying Chris (laughs) you know but it is sad and that's where it's just like when you know when some people I get it some people this isn't a problem for them and they just want to be like oh my sobriety was easy or I just stopped drinking one day it's like that is not the case for millions of people I can't that's where I don't, I, I can't do the 30-day of dry January or sober October because it's not about 30 days. It's about saving somebody's life.
0: I hear you. That was Courtney Anderson on this episode of Having a Podcast. You're more than welcome to look up at this marvelous woman and the work that she stands for. Just visit Instagram and look up Courtney underscore Anderson. Courtney, are there any other means people can get in touch with you?
1: Yeah, I mean I have my Facebook page sober vibes uh, there I do have an active women's just women's page of the sober vibes um, sobervibes at gmail.com and of course the sober vibes podcast and I have a ton of free resources the monthly meetings I do you know and, and then of course if you want more uh, one-on-one coaching I have that and I just came out with my ebook the ultimate guide to sobriety, your first year, just with really like tips on how to navigate that first year. Uh, I talk about 10 different topics and some tips for each one of them.
0: And because of the pandemic, the one-on-one coaching and the get togethers that you host, it's all electronic for the moment, right?
1: Yes. Yes. All through Zoom, you know, and then I really hope maybe you can you can come one day for National Sober day I I wanted to have it in Detroit 2020 but it just didn't pan out so I did a zoom. Um, oh,
0: I'd love to.
1: So ne- next year, it just all depends. So I will not have any details of that. I will not start planning that until the summer of 2021, just to see where we're at.
0: Let's keep the fingers crossed, hey? Thank you so much, Courtney, for appearing on today's Having a Cupper. You've done splendid work up until this point. And by comparison, thank you for being so transparent and open. A merry festive season to you and your loved ones. And keep up the good fight.
1: All right. Thank you, Chris.
0: Anytime. All the best. you having a cuppa for this week we hope you enjoyed this leg of the journey until the next time we meet tell your friends and write us a five-star review on apple podcasts